Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with James Whittle today, CEO at Rupert Resources, Canadian company exploring for gold in Finland. Uh, they raised some money recently, and we talk about where they're going to be allocating their time, money, and effort. Uh, Ikari has been spitting out some high-grade uh, results with uh, good intervals. Uh, we look forward to a resource coming out perhaps later this year and when they're going to be able to produce a PEA. Um, talk also about the wider prospectivity of the land package that they've got there and doing business in Finland. In fact, if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation company and James, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. James, how are you, sir? Good, thanks, Matt. It's good to see you. Well, uh, good to have you back. You were with us end of November. Been a busy, busy time. But first of all, how are you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I've been good. It's been, um, I don't know, it's been an incredibly busy start to the year. Um, I still start to the year. I guess we're halfway through the year. So that, that tells you an awful lot going on. Um, yeah, the project's been flying along and just, um, yeah, the team have been probably our busiest year ever uh, for Rupert Resources, no doubt about that in terms of work. And, you know, there's good reasons for that. But, um, yeah, finally, um, uh, actually getting towards the summer in Finland. So the guys will take a short break um, before they really get back into it um, um, after the after the midsummer break that they have in Finland. And then it'll be, uh, I'm sure the second half of the year will be just as busy. So. Yeah. Is that by the way? So, what, how does it work with the weather over there in terms of like they, they take a break before summer? I mean, what, what's going on? So, traditionally, the holiday season in, in uh, Finland is um, is around midsummer. So, everyone they celebrate midsummer because you've got the long nights, especially up there, because you've got you know the, the whole uh, sunlight for twenty four hours of the day. So, um, yeah, that's when they tend to uh, in northern Finland or northern Finnish will take their their holiday season. And so they uh, they might take two or three weeks, or some of them might take four weeks holiday, um, and that's their main chance to catch up with family and friends. So, yeah, it's quite. In some ways, it works for us because then the you know the you sort of get everyone off at the same time, and then you know everyone commits to that, and then everyone's back working full time again after that, rather than drips and drowns. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, look, I tell you, what, given we haven't spoken since the end of November, can you give us that one minute overview of uh, the projects? Uh, and then I'll pick it yeah. up from there with some questions. Yeah, so just a, a reminder, obviously, we're, we're Northern Finland, the part of our project. Um, we have this per- permitted miner mill at the part of our mine, which was bought back in 2016. And then um, we've been all about making significant new discoveries or looking for this uh, potential multi-million ounce discovery outside of the part of our mine. So that's what we've been doing for the last two or three years. And that's all come together with the, this hickory discovery um, that has obviously been attracting a lot of attention from the market. So um, that's only just over a year old. The, uh, we had our first anniversary of the, of the first drill hole on March the 31st of this year. Um, so that's where we're at now, and we continue to demonstrate the potential for that, and there'll be a, a maiden resource coming out on that in August, September time, but hopefully in August of this year. So uh, quite soon. So you're up around 900 million Canadian dollars. You're up there. Aren't you? Yep. For a junior, um, yeah. and it's and all you've been doing is drill, drill, drill. Yeah. Is there like? Is there is there is there any, is there any more leverage left in this story? You know, what, should people still be interested in you? Look, I, I think it's, it's a great question, Matt, and it's, it's it's a question that people are continually sort of ask themselves. We just did a financing, and that was very well subscribed um, at five dollars thirty a share. Um, brought in, was supported not only 
uh, on the private side by our current investors, but also seemingly by had a large institutional demand for the stock as well. Um, so, you know, it was, it, yeah, it, was, it was certainly not a hard book to fill. And so, you know, again, you know, why are people, you know, continuing to support it or, or taking new positions here? I think for me, it's about this whole point that, you know, we've been very, very focused on finding an exceptional discovery or something that, you know, is rare in this industry, you know, as you know, there's looking for something that is a top tier asset in the sector. And that's, that was the whole aim that we went out to. And hopefully, you know, we believe that this Ikari discovery does, you know, is demonstrating all the elements to fall into that. But also I think, um, you know, this, what's really important, Matt, is that this is the first discovery of its kind in Finland. And when we put the maiden resource out, that will put a, you know, we'll put the, region on the map ultimately but also for this potential and scale of deposits but also you know, shows that geological potential and we still have you know we have 400 well nearly 500 square kilometers of ground these days um, along this main belt and you know there's still the potential for more and the guys are out there today um, exploring new targets all the time so um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential still to come Okay, so the the name of the game for you is to make discoveries. Okay, you've got you've got a yeah. large land package there. So you've made one discovery, and you know, I think I often remind people, having projects and having targets and having anomalies doesn't really pay the bills. You've got oh. to find discoveries, and not many people do. So you, you've made one. Is the idea to kind of focus on that with the money that you've got now, or are you also have you also got exploration programs going on out there? Yeah, so the funding we raised just now, including with the funding that we, we had previously, um, and also remember that we have some warrants that are well in the money from Agnico as well. So the company's very well funded if you put all that together for the next couple of years um, to continue both demonstrating the economic potential of this Ikari discovery. We have already discovered five other things on in the run up to finding Ikari. There was, there was uh, five other discoveries there anyway. Um, and you know, a number of those are continuing to be, you know, have drilling down on them and pushing them to the next stage and demonstrating the size of those. So, yeah, that we're, yeah, you'll see us, you know, do the economic evaluations of Ikari, but we, we still haven't shown the extents of that. I mean, this is really, I think what's important, people are, you know, we'll put a, a maiden resource out, but it's really an interim resource because it was just to get, you know, a marker in the sand to say this is how good it is. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll still have put in probably a few thousand metres worth of drilling beyond that resource envelope by the time we do the res do that resource that comes out. So, yeah, I think there's you know, plenty more to come on that side. So why did you do, why did you put out the interim resource? Because I know some of you just said it's a marker in the sand, but for other, other people would take the view of, do you know what, keep drilling until you find the extent of the, the the ore body and then do it. So obviously different people have different ways of approaching it. Why, why did you feel the need to put something out? Yeah, I guess I, I guess all the way through, um, you know, I think the key thing for me is that shareholders or people are giving you high risk capital. So um, here to do this kind of work. And the aim is to, you have to spend it relatively aggressively. And you ask me, you know, how do you do it? You know, obviously other people haven't made discoveries and that might own Pakistan. But, it, you you know, what we've demonstrated or what this business model was to spend exploration money you know, in a quite aggressive fashion as though we were, you know, the sort of budget of a, of a major producing company um, looking to replace assets of quality. So that's the approach we've had. So really, I think, you know, we owe it to our shareholders to, for a start, to actually, you know, as soon as possible, demonstrate, you know, 
the potential value we have created or that we've discovered. I think that's important. And, and you've got to be accountable as a company. You can't just carry on drilling for the sake of it. Uh, and hoping that you might add a, you know, add marginally to the resource. As soon as it's of, I think it's important. As soon as you have something of scale, if you're looking for things of scale, let's make sure you, 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 you do put that mark in the sand. And then it's, there's some accountability then as you then take it forward. And you, in reality, time is, what's the biggest sort of destroyer of value in exploration? It's the time it takes, isn't it? It takes so long potentially to do it. We've been, you know, we've, you know, we found Ikari a year ago. If we can get the first resource out within a within you know just over a year, that allows us to start working on all the economics side of things, all the metallurgy, all the other things to de-risk their assets a lot quicker. But if we waited another year or so, you know, where do you where, you know it's another year away from potential cash flow from the asset, and it's actually which is what the market's valuing. Ultimately, they're looking at returns in the future, aren't they? That's what they're valuing on. But if you keep on pushing that out, when do, you know? How do you? You need to bring that closer to the investor, not further away. But you're coming at it like a fund manager, which you used to be, um, yeah. and, and, a, and a money guy. So you're using a different set of metrics, possibly to the average retail investor or family office. So how are you measuring yourself? Well, I guess this is uh, in terms of ourselves. We, we, our KPI. Our sort of long-term KPI, so of over three years, is to demonstrate a return on shareholders' equity. So we have like a, a hurdle that we have to do. So every time we raise money, and the biggest risk, as I see as a CEO, is actually raising a lot of money because for me to to actually get my you know remuneration or any bonuses, it's about us, you know, um, and you've got to justify that in a company that's not generating cash flow, why should it, you know, so you've really got to set those markets high. It's for us that, you know, we're looking to aim to, you know, generate four or five or more times return on that shareholders capital that gets raised every time. So the $48 million that we just got just raised, we've got to make sure that, you know, ideally your benchmark is sort of $250 million worth of market capitalization at a minimum that you want to do that. I mean, this is, you know, it's, we're not a revenue creating company. We're not doing that right now. So you've got to somehow demonstrate that value in another way. Right. Because I think it was, it was quite interesting when the management team CEO um, look at their remuneration and how that affects their decision making. It's not always for the positive. You see, the, the metrics you're yeah, bringing, yeah. you know, you, you know, and as, a, as, a, as an ex markets guy, you, you'd have analyzed a lot of that. But yeah, yeah. In, in this instance, can you, can you be a bit more specific about how? Your decision making is in the interest of shareholders. Is um, the, the 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 are the right ways to go about measuring success? You know, because if I'm looking in as an investor, I'm looking at the share price. It's real simple for me, but for you, yeah. there's a process. Yeah, I, I, it, it is a process, and it's and I think what's really interesting. It, a lot of people will say, "Oh, it's you know x many ounces." You've discovered x many ounces, and you're like, "Okay, that's great," but. You know, you can discover a lot of ounces in this business and we have a 75% hit rate on all our exploration during grassroots. So we find ounces all the time, uh, but all ounces aren't created equally. So you've got to put some qualifi qualifier on those ounces. And so, you know, you could, you know, plenty of companies might be sitting on 10 million ounces, but they might only get valued at maybe five or $6 an ounce for those ounces, because really those ounces might only be economic if the gold price goes up by X and inflation doesn't increase and you don't have it. So you get a margin spread. But at the moment, 
they probably don't make money. They're not economic today. So, so I guess long answer, but really, you know, our point that's that sort of brings you back to you know why are we doing the resource? Why are we going to get some economics out there? Is because we've got, we want to demonstrate that the answers we're finding are like we said we like it says on the tin. We said we were looking for you know very high returning answers in the first place, large deposits, which you know are in the top tier. So you know, get on and demonstrate it. So are these you know lowest cost quartile ounces? Should the market give you a lot higher valuation on each of those ounces you've discovered? And it makes those ounces you, you know, people for the people that are just looking at ounces, it makes them a lot more meaningful, allows them to attach a value to each of those ounces, which is important. Um, so, yeah, you know, otherwise, you know, it's that whole analogy. You could just, it might be for some people, why not just buy some gold bars instead? You know, all we're doing is finding gold in the ground. But, you, you know, those gold bars are real and there. But, you know, we're trying to demonstrate, you know, gold with a, with a return. And that's what it. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It, it, it's interesting the way that different companies come at it because there's there's some froth in the market. I think in North America we're seeing a lot of excitement around Newfoundland. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, a lot of money being thrown at that. And you know, again, we've seen some good companies, not so good companies, and the, the way that they're approaching their program. For instance, you know, they are not rushing to putting out a resource, and it is harder for people like me. You know. Joe, Joe, Joe Public to actually understand the value of those answers in, mm. in the ground. Um, yeah. So that's why that's why I'm trying to understand again what's what's going on in your head in terms of trying to say to the market, I'll give you the information that you need. You will be able to work this out. And you know, does that answer the question of is there much more leverage left in this company? Yeah, and I, and I think the, the answer is, you know, if we can demonstrate that the potential of those ounces in the future and the sort of returns on them, I think that will begin for people to understand that there is more leverage in the company ultimately. Um, and I think, you know, that's, you know, so you, you live and die by those potential returns that you're you're generating. Um, but also, you know, it, it's very interesting. You look at my team on site. We have we've got six known discoveries in Area One alone. And so we're continuously re-ranking those and we're looking at new opportunities and greenfield exploration even all the time today. So how much how much cash should we allocate to, to those versus bring Hickory up the curve and just continue looking at that cash allocation strategy in the company? So it's, um, you know, and those guys, now they've seen an Hickory, that potential, it gives them a good benchmark of what they've got to find to, to demonstrate, you know, other potential. So, you know, and how to look at it. And I'd say, you know, it's not just me that thinks like that. It's now my entire geology team that really thinks like that. The exploration team thinks like that, um, which I think is, well, I don't know if it's unique, but it, it, it's what I've been trying to encourage them, them to do. And so if every time they put another drill hole down now, they can you know, look at it straight away and think, oh, yeah, this could be the potential for you know, this sort of scale. And, and that's why we, that's, but that's why we're continuing to do generative exploration because that's really where you, where you make the transformative value changes in these companies as well. Right. Obviously, yeah. leverage to gold, clearly. You're a yeah. gold company, but it's a gold exploration yeah. company. Um, we've seen a sort of, you know, bump in your share price recently. Is that, is that just an alignment with what's happening with the gold price or was it people feeling a little bit more comfortable with the fact you've been able to raise a big chunk uh, of capital? Yeah, I, th- I guess we spoke in November. So in the shares did very well going into Christmas, into the into the year end. And then come into January, um, 
yeah, it, it just seemed to take a bit of a bit of a slide back down. I think you know we put out a couple of releases which maybe didn't quite weren't quite as good as the others. They were still exceptional releases, like 100 meter pass or you know intercepts with, with consistent grades. So they were still, as far as we were concerned, very good in, uh, releases. But but you did have a bit of a and it, and it came back with the gold price maybe, and probably people thought oh, you know they maybe lost a bit of momentum. But then I guess. What we've done is just continue since then, I guess, end of March, April, um, we've just put out very consistent results from the project and, and trying to get people to really just de-risk the potential of the, the asset. Yeah, I mean, these, I mean, just remind people of some of the numbers here, because you say the, the consistency and the width seem, seem to be there and the grades are, are, are good. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, do people, are people expecting more of the same from Ikari? You know, again, what to your point is, you know, do you allocate more capital to some of these other discoveries? Because you're talking about zone one in, in, in the first zone, you've got a big land package. Yeah. So, yeah, how, how do you how are you going to play it? So, we, yeah, it's with Ic- area one, which contains Icarie and these five other d- discoveries, it is about 10% of the land package, so relatively small. Obviously, we, you know, we're going back to those early conversations, how do we, we filter down the land package to the potentially the highest potential part of it in the first place. So that's why we focus there. But now, from what we've learned over the last two, two years exploring there, allows us to think, you know, identify where else might be potential. So it, it, it's, um, you know, how are we going to play it? I think it's, uh, w- well, we, deposits like Ikari, What's interesting about them is that you don't need to drill a huge amount of holes in them to bring them up the confidence level because it's so consistent. You had these widths like, I think that last press release, extreme 188 meters at 4.1 grams. I mean, just extreme like long intervals. So when you're drilling something like that, you don't need to drill it on 10 meter centers. You can drill it on 30 or 40 meter centers. And we'll have that work on that initial sort of, I think 650 meters of strike and three or 400 meters of depth. Um, and, and similar sort of width done by towards the end of the year down to effectively so it can be in its indicator category, a relatively high level of confidence because it's so consistent. It won't take a lot of drill meters, but that allows us to free up other drill meters to go to continue doing the, you know, looking for extensions to ICRI and doing that. But, it, but you know, we don't need to, what's important is that we don't need to throw a huge amount of drill rigs and a huge amount of meters at this project. If you're looking for these, you know, these style of deposits we're looking for, they're not that drill intensive. You know, they're not a skinny vein that you, it takes lots and lots of holes just to get some confidence in. So it's about, um, it goes back to her point. We continuously, people ask, you know, what's your budget for next year? I think out of the back of this, you know, finance we've just done, you know, we've, we've you know, got sufficient funds for, you know, another year of 760, 70,000 meters of drilling. Um, sure, but it's about what you do with that drilling ultimately. Maybe half of that goes to Icarie, but the rest of it, you know, we will be continuing to look for the potential next Icarie. Yeah, okay. But Icarie, it's going to case of what point are you going to close off Icarie and park it up? You know, what's, what's good enough for the market to go, you know what, we understand that. that that's fine. Please move on and tell us that there's more. You know, you're talking about um, area one being 10% of the land package. It's like, do you really get aggressive and do some far out type exploration or is it just cautious you know stepping up the land package 
it, it, there's two bits to that. There's, so there's the we have a, a new package of ground called Yezio, which will be granted this summer, hopefully, and that's a that's a, an area one a piece of ground that's very similar to area one geologically. So that's about to start its grassroots first stage of exploration, just like we found Ikari, one base of tillery and one drill rig coming along behind it. So that'll start this winter. That's a new area, and then you've got this whole. You know, we filled in this sort of, you know, these resource triangles or prospectivity triangles. If you look at our presentations, um, you know, there's a whole, you know, we I think we have 20, 27 odd targets these days. Um, so, it, it, but, you know, it's just like fund management. You've got a portfolio, portfolio of opportunities and we continually assess them probably on a biweekly, monthly basis about where we should, you know, allocate the capital to them um, for that potential. But I think... Um, you mentioned about when do you stop Ikari? Um, you know that that pre presumes that it it has to stop. If you say, I mean, what? Why should you? Why would you necessarily stop it and park it? I think you know we'll continue to do all the ex all the evalu economic evaluation studies and do it. But at the same time, it's not really a stop and park process. You just continue allocating. You know, incremental amounts to that to do smaller step outs at Ikari maybe, but whilst you carry on doing the new gen exploration at the same time. Um, it's a good, it, it's, people often ask me this question and it is a, it's a dynamic process. That's the thing. And it's quite hard to explain to investors. And the best way I can explain to it is really by, if they're managing a portfolio of stocks that they own, just think about what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. They're continuing to reallocate. But I guess um, that's what we're doing when we continue to look at these opportunities. But, most importantly, we, we're not, you know, we're always looking for the highest return on each of that dollar invested for us. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's, um, it's why it's hard. I'm not giving you a very definitive answer about what we're doing with the money, because I think um, we, can we, we plan to continue doing what we've been doing at Rupert Resources for the last four years, um, but also in a responsible manner that we're also de-risking the things that we have found. So which really gives that underpin to value. And so you've, you know, as we demonstrate, you know, how good Ikari is and how, you know, maybe some of the satellites to it, um, and you've got that as a backstop to value and potential. We want to demonstrate that it should be worth more than the current valuation of the, of the company is today. But also you've got this other part of the business continuing to push on with the, with, you know, finding the next Ikari and, and doing, you know, risk managed investing. In, in the rest of the land pack. The, the econ economics out there are, there's rather the conversations around the, the, the economies out there are, 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 well, you can argue it from both sides. You know, in, in, as a, as a ex fund manager, you're looking at what the gold price is doing now, what it could do in the future. And again, that, that must affect your decision making in terms of how you approach these projects too, because you, you, you touched upon um, the fact that maybe you know, you need a, a flag in the sand to show people what Akari is now. Um, do you have a view that, well, maybe it should try and get into production, get some cash flowing, and then, you know, you, you, you build the company out? Or do you just kind of take this company to a certain point of development and then hand it over to someone? I mean, how, how does one play, you know, a Finnish gold exploration story, given there's very few peers? The, the path... To production, we, we will expedite the path to production as much as possible. But that is, that's what you should be. You're in the resource 
resources business, you're, whilst we're an exploration company, I guess we're not, we shouldn't be pigeonholed as just an exploration company. We, we are a, a resources company. So we will continue to, you know, move that asset forward as fast as possible, as would anyone else, whether, you know, same as, you know, I described our exploration um, business, as describe it, we're doing the, we're doing the sort of exploration you'd see in a in a very large company looking to replace its one of its you know cornerstone assets. That's what we do. Um, so what do they do? They keep on moving that forward down the process. So we will carry on having that approach to de-risking the asset and bringing it forward. I guess I often you know what what's our business model? It's a bit like you know the same as those business units in those new business and business development and those but without any bureaucracy because there's only five people you know in the in the senior management team so we can move things super quick and we don't have all the all the big company bureaucracy to deal with so we will carry on doing that uh, and moving it towards that um it as said that's the only way to them you know that's people are going to value on future cash flows uh, and that's what we do with the business taking it forward um whereas you know and all those companies, as you recognize, a big company, they always, they're continually doing exploration. They're all now talking about doing more exploration. So we're doing exploration at the same time as well. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if we do our job incredibly well, Matt, um, and continue to demonstrate, you know, really high quality assets that, that you can mention the gold price. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not ambivalent to the gold price. It's nice to have a really high gold price. But at the same time, we're not looking for assets that are marginal. We're looking for assets that can make money, whatever the gold price or whatever the weather effectively are call it. And, you know, so it costs in the lowest cost quartile, you know, and that's so that, you know, we're not we're not building a business which is gold price dependent. You will have leveraged the gold price because it's the commodity you're producing, but not um, not because you don't have margins when the gold price is low. We still get a lot of questions about the ability to do business in Finland. You're a Canadian company, run by yeah. a, a, a British team um, yeah. in Finland. Um, and people don't, still don't quite understand it. I mean, what, what, are the, what are the benefits of working in Finland? What would you compare it to? I guess you can compare it really to anywhere, you know, you could be in Northern Ontario for that matter. I mean, in Canada, you know, we're sitting there plugged into hydropower, uh, you know, 100% renewable hydropower at our projects. You know, it's the, uh, the weather is similar to, I guess, Northern Ontario. Um, you know, warm summers, it was 25 degrees there last week when the guys are there on site. So, you know, it's not not in a permafrost area of the world or anything like Don't have to deal with any of those issues. Um, yes, it's a bit cold in the winter, but it's, and it is in Northern Ontario. So, but also you, what's what I find good about Finland is just a very pragmatic place to work. There's, um, yes, there's, you know, you have to go through the process to get all your permits and go through that process. But, you know, the people you're dealing with are pragmatic people. You can have a proper conversation with them as long as you're open and honest with them about you're doing this. We're not working here. It's a very low risk environment to be working in, um, which um, yeah allows us probably to have a, a leaner corporate vehicle, to be honest. Um, and um, everyone is really in Finland. That's it. And we, we co- we've concentrated. And I guess maybe that's been our, you know, that's really been our saving grace of the last couple of years through this whole COVID crisis because everyone is there. I haven't needed to go to Finland um, and our you know, local management team and we mostly most of the crew are Finnish and they all live locally with their young families and, and get on with it. It's, it's just like you would if you're in northern Ontario working in one of those locations. Right. But I'm, I'm, 
thinking more about you know infrastructure, you know all the kind of yeah, yeah. energy costs, all of that kind of stuff. And I guess the well, that, e- even quite frankly, you know, I think people sort of think of Finland as you know reindeer and trees, but um, you know, and the environmentalist uh, issues as we've seen, you know, in, in places like Canada. Well, I think so, and I and I think you'll face that everywhere in the world. I don't think you could, and I think if you're again just a very proactive approach, we we are working. We we don't have any what we call Natura 2000 protected areas, which you do have in Europe. We don't we don't we actively never um, pick up ground that has that underlying it because we just don't believe that that, that that's a, that's certainly for a company of our scale, the permitting timeframes and everything would just be too would make that too hard. Um, so look, we we just um, we go about our business in the best possible way. It has the power costs are incredibly low in this part of the world. You're talking maybe five euro cents a kilowatt hour, so that's a huge advantage. But importantly, it's renewable power. So, in the scheme of developing mines of the future, and I'm always looking. So, what will this mine look like when it's developed? You know, eight or ten years ahead, you know, what will what will be the environment? Then I think ultimately you will need to be on renewable power. You'll need to address the issue of carbon credits or carbon the cost the you know potentially paying for the cost of that CO2 you're producing, which I think is going to be a, a, an impact to the, to the mining industry as a whole. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the work we're doing at the moment is looking at something like Ikari, can it be a truly modern mine? Could it be a potentially a zero emission or a net, net zero emission project of the future, which again, you're looking for assets that are unique in the space and that are worthy of development. And, and ultimately, if you've got low cost and then you've got almost you know, very, very low em- emissions that you have out of this asset, makes it even more attractive as a, as, and, and justifies its potential to be, it's to be developed as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a whole, you go into that subject, it's a whole gamut, all the stakeholder engagement, community work. You know, as you say, yes, it is ultimately trees and reindeers right now, but those reindeers are commercially farmed. We have a relationship, commercial relationship with the commercial reindeer herders, uh, and we have a relationship with the the person that's cutting the trees, the state forestry company, who's continually cutting all the trees, and because it is a commercial forestry environment, not a it's not a natural woodland. So, yeah. okay, your your share price from in the last 12, 14 months up five, six times, everyone's delighted, shareholders must be really, really pleased. Uh, the pressure doesn't stop on you, you've got to keep things moving. But there's, there's this funny thing that happens in the market, when you keep putting out high grade, consistent results, it almost becomes boring. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's a terrible uh, thing to say. <laughs> well, if it, yeah, I, I, I often say to people, this job is really managing people's expectations and, 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 and continually providing like updates and information and just making sure people have the, you know, the information. But I, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to top, you know, those sort of drill results that I mentioned before. Um, but, you know, I think... Yeah, I guess we just have to, we will continue to demonstrate why this is a a more exceptional opportunity than others and why fundamentally it's a, you know, these are very good assets and and good assets are very hard to come by in this sector. You've got a sector that struggles to replace its resources every year and probably dwindling production in the future. I I would say personally, I think that's going to be, you know, and, and I think importantly, an industry that is evolving or has evolved and continues to evolve into one that's more returns focused. They're all, all these, all the large companies are, are paying significant dividends now. 
to maintain paying those sort of dividends in the future, which they're now getting rated on and people are owning the shares for, they have to have high margin assets with excess returns. Now, there aren't that many of those. So, it, it, you know, ultimately to sustain those kind of businesses, you know, they're going to be looking for assets like we're discovering. And that's, you know, goes full circle. Why is our business set up like it is to find exceptionally high return assets in expiration and commit a higher risk you know, more amount of money earlier on and potentially at a higher risk to find those because because they're hard to find in the first place. But ultimately, the returns on if you do find them are can be absolutely exceptional because they are recorded. You know, there's an industry that's looking to replace, you know, assets of that quality. Right. Are we getting mm. under under the skin here a little bit? Are you, are you giving some clues as to how you're running this company because you know what the end game is? You, know, you recognize that this is not something that you're going to build out. Well, I think it's the end game regardless of whether we develop it or someone else, because I'm not going to, I have no intention of developing a marginal gold mine. You know, if I, if we, if Rupert Resources goes on to be a production company, I would expect it to be, you know, only have high margin assets because ultimately, otherwise it won't be able to pay dividends. It won't be able to compete for capital in the sector. And ultimately it's the cost of capital, isn't it? The cost of uh, raised money is so important in these businesses. So, you know, you, you know if we want to, if we want to develop Hickory ourselves, so we want to move that forward ourselves. You know, we need to demonstrate that it is a very high return, short payback asset, environmentally, you know, very, you know, in terms of its emission quality and exceptional there that you can develop it. And it's going to generate a very good return for all the stakeholders. Obviously, you know, Finland has, Finland is a great country to operate because it has, you know, stable tax jurisdiction you know, or, or, or tax regime, things like that. It's quite relatively simple to navigate that side. But you still, you know, if we're going to raise money to do that or use debt finance to do that in the future, you don't want to be paying top whack for that money. You don't want it to cost you a fortune because otherwise that'll kill the returns on the project. Um, so, so I, I you, you, yeah, you're sort of saying, you know, it, so, so either way, um, I guess either way, we, we set out at the beginning to find exceptions because the, the, whether we build them or someone else acquires them, you, you've got to give people a reason to invest in them. Either they're investing them through buying Rupert resources effectively, you know, those companies or, you know, you're getting investors to put new money in or a bank to lend you money to invest in that project as well. It all requires good assets, doesn't it? It, it, it does. And you, you are, you've got a bunch of cash now, but, you know, explorers are always going to be cash constrained at various points. Mm. And it's why I'm digging a bit on this and trying to get at what you're at is because they're, they're, I, sort of, I sort of joke about the fact that high grade, consistent high grade, uh, drill results over big intervals, it kind of gets a bit boring because people get a bit blasé, which, which is good for you because it means you've kind of proved a mm. point to people and go, they know that it's there. And hopefully if you continue to do what you say, there'll be more of the same. But at the same time, they want to know, well, what are you going to do? What's the plan here, guys? And, you know, if there's an and and I, you're going to come back and say it's it's a moving feast and we've got to assess the. No, I'm not going to say it's a moving. No, I'm not going to say it's a moving feast. I think I think it's, a, it's it's the right question for everyone to ask because, but the and it probably comes out to. It's a little bit early for me to give you all the answers because we haven't done the first resource. So give me you know a few months to get that done, and then give me. 
you know, six months after that to get some sort of PEA style study out. And so you can see some economics. We've already done on the third round of metallurgy on this now. We've done two years of environmental baseline work. All that work is going on. This isn't just an exploration company drilling holes. This has every, all the gambit of everything else you need to de-risk asset is going on in the background. So, you know, over the next 12 months, there'll be a huge amount of information on ICARI out in the market that allow people to, you know, you know, analysts to put more numbers on it and the investors to really wrap their hands, heads around it. And so it will move on relatively, as quickly as we've been discovering things, we're going to move it forward. So people shouldn't be thinking, oh, what are they, they're just going to like sit there and wait for this to be bought out. That is not our business plan. That's not a business plan that I would ever subscribe to. Our job is to move this asset forward. We have the skill base in the company, so why wouldn't we? And we can, you know, we'll recruit other people in as needed to do that. But our, our plan is to you know, push on as fast as possible. There's, okay, well, let's, let's go to the flip side here, because there's a, isn't there a danger when you kind of put a, that stake in the sand that people judge you by that? So, you know, do you have to talk the language of interim PEA or this is project one out of eight, you know, discoveries? Where, you know, you, yeah, there's a... Yeah. There's a narrative that you've got to try and control. I guess, uh, yeah, and it is. And so we have to control that narrative and we have to, we, we, we will continue to attempt to control that narrative in the best possible way. But the only best possible way we can do that is to continue to generate new information and provide it out there and, and keep it coming in a regular fashion. So people will, you know, when the new resource comes out, they'll see that, but also see some, all right, this is the more drilling that's going on around it. So then we go on to that and then the, We'll do a PEA first because you can encompass all the results into that, start wrapping heads around that. And then by the time we get to pre-feasibility study, it may well look very different. There may be many other resources coming into it beyond degree at that point in time. But, but that's why we've engaged people so early in the process, both speaking to stakeholders in, in Finland, as in like permitting stakeholders now, not waiting until... You know, you've everything's wrapped in a nice bow with a nice PFS around it. Well, that's great, but that's that's a, that's only a moment in time, and it's it's already out of date by the time you guys get to read it anyway. I mean, it's that you know, and and for me, you know, the testers people never audit back to PEAs or PFSs or even feasibility studies, and that is a real issue for me because it is just a moment. It's fra it's, it's a snapshot in time of a project's development. Um, we will provide those snapshots. But ultimately, it's an evolutionary process, and people will also provide the information for people to think a bit beyond those studies as well. Okay. The reason I kind of come up from both sides is because, you know, we can give people, or you could give people exactly the same data, and you'll have polar yeah. opposite views, right? So I just, I think it's always worth, yeah. or you should be cognizant of that. Yeah, I, I could give consultants, and obviously, you use consult, independent consultants to write PFP as if you get, you know, three of them three bits of all the same data, they'll all come up with three different opportunities for you. So um, I think the difference, but I think the difference being here is that you are working with people, certainly myself and others in the team that have read, you know, hundreds of PEAs and PFSs and looked at them from the outside. And we, we you know, we, you know, evaluated lots and lots, thousands of projects, ultimately, well, at least a thousand projects in my case, uh, and modeled them. So you know what you're looking for, you know what the elements are. And it's just about those key elements and, and, and crystallizing those for investors. And, and again, goes, why am I doing, you ask, why am I doing the resource now? Because I ultimately want to be able to sit down with investors and sort of demystify this whole business of resources and costs and, all this, and just say, okay, well, this is the amount of 
you know, we'll produce this margin on every ounce that we produce. You know, this is the sort of margin. This is the cost base. This is the margin. This is the sort of investment returns, you know, that, that this asset has. And then they can almost tra- take it through to like a forward price cash flow multiple. You know, what would be better than being able to do that? I mean, you don't have to. It's so complicated, geology and resources and mining. But let's crystallize it down to things that people can compare to other industries. Why should I invest in, you know, Rupert Resources, you know, exploration or R&D company and mining versus R&D company and the other sector? That's kind of where we're, where we're ultimately going. What's next out of the block? What should we be looking for? Well, the resource is obviously the main thing. I think people are sort of hanging on for that. So that's August. But there will be some other um, exploration results um, between now and then. So just on the financing. So just um, uh, we've got our annuals to come out and things like that. So, yeah, I'd say but between now and the next six weeks, we'll get some more exploration results out as well. Okay, James. Well, we'll look out for those. And stay in touch, please. Um, very keen to follow this story this year and see, see where it goes. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.